A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Retirement planning ain't what it used to be. We're going to tell you why on today's show. Welcome to the Retirement Toolbox. Walter Storholt here with Scott Searles, financial advisor, president of Skybox Financial Group. You can find us online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Scott's got more than 20 years of experience in the financial planning world, and we're going to put that knowledge to the test today with some great conversations about how retirement planning has really changed over the last couple of decades and why you can't rely on old knowledge to still experience success today. We've also got a really good question when we open up the mailbag later on from Wendy, who inherited a 70-acre farm and has some questions on how to handle all of that in regards to her retirement and uh, her financial planning. So that should be a little fun to dive into some of those details. Scott, can't wait to do it all with you. How are you this week? I'm doing great. You know, like just enjoying summertime, getting a little pool time in and uh, yeah, living the dream. I know life is, you know, very much revolves around lacrosse in your free time mm-hmm. most of the year. In the summer, do you get a break from uh, kind of the lacrosse focus, or is there still lots of practicing or summer leagues or those kinds of things? Yeah, so my my youngest daughter plays travel lacrosse. So, and that's during the summer. We go to tournaments. That ends right around mid July. So mid July, we're done. It's a very short. It, it runs from beginning of June to mid-July. So that's kind of the summer season. And uh, yeah, so we do have that break, you know, through August and then September clinics and things like that start kicking in. Uh, So we get a couple month break from lacrosse. A couple of months, but uh, pretty much a year-round sport for you, it sounds like, for the most part. Yeah, pretty much. And and I think that's like that with all the sports, too. If someone's, you know, into baseball, you know, they're doing stuff year-round, not only just in the spring baseball season. They'll have a summer league they're playing and a fall league, whatever the case may be. But you you certainly don't view it as a burden. You dig it, which is uh, a lot of fun that you've gotten into it so much over the years. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. My my uncle is the uh, same way uh, over in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, eastern part of the state. Uh, You know, his daughters got really into uh, lacrosse, and then he got into it as well and became a coach and a ref. And now, even though they're pretty much, you know, moved on from their lacrosse careers, he keeps he just still does his own thing, refing, and he's just part of the culture in the community now. So pretty pretty neat. Developed a lot of passion for the game. I actually thought about that myself and maybe doing the rough thing a little bit, but yeah, um, yeah it's um, it seems to just continue to go on for me because I've got such an age gap with my children. I mean, my 13 year old, you got a few more she's years. She's going in eighth grade and she's going and she wants to play in college like her sisters did. And I still have a junior in college. So I still got to be traveling around and doing all these types of things for still quite some time. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, my older daughters that just graduated college are thinking about getting into coaching. So, you know, of course, they would want my help. At least I hope they'd want my help. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I may still have plenty of things to keep my uh, schedule quite full. Well, you uh, certainly will have uh, a full agenda for the next couple of years, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. 
Uh, well, let's dive in. Why retirement planning ain't what it used to be. You may be asking yourself, okay, how? Because um, I think in some ways, maybe Scott will refute this, but retirement planning, it did seem easier for past generations, at least maybe less complicated. And so I want to explore on today's show how a good financial advisor helps people overcome all the additional challenges that are thrown at us today. Because, you know, our parents, our grandparents, we may have watched them go through some element of planning for retirement, and they may not have had to face a lot of things that we face today. And so if we just rely on the experiences of family members, it might not be enough to help us achieve our own financial success in the current climate. Mm-hmm. One reason I guess we can point to here, Scott, would be pensions, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. a lot more rare now. And Social Security is kind of the only retirement income stream that a lot of people sort of automatically have these days. I imagine that presents quite a big difference from what it used to be. Well, Walter, this topic I I really enjoy because when I teach my tax classes or my college classes, or or one of the things I always say is this is not your father's or grandfather's retirement. They would usually work at just one job. They worked there their whole lives. They collected a pension and then they retired. They had social security a pension. They didn't have to worry about investing their own money or any of this other stuff. They And they didn't have to worry about taxes because they got their pension, their social security, didn't have to save a ton of money, and that's what they lived off of. Now, things have become ultimately much more complicated and much more difficult to navigate. You can really screw it up. And yeah, the first ones are pensions. It used to be that that pensions were very common, and then there was a shift. When the 401k came along in 1978, you know, they kind of coexisted for a while. Then companies were, you know, started to push that burden onto the employee, and, and now the employee needs to save their own money and manage their own money, and the company's not responsible for a pension anymore. So yes, it's certainly changed and it makes things much more difficult because you don't have that guaranteed income stream coming in. But with that said, it also allows you some more opportunities because now you have an opportunity to manage your taxes in retirement. So you can kind of move your income up and down a little bit as far as taxable income and then and then you know kind of of work that tax bracket a little bit because if you just have a pension you're getting taxable money and you're getting your social security. Your pension is going to make part of your social security taxable, depending on what it is, how much it is. And you have no flexibility, but at least now you have a little bit more flexibility, but you, all the responsibility is going to be on to you. It's a good point. And that's, uh, again, that pension element. I mean, just taking that one shift over time dramatically changes the retirement landscape. But we've got four other points to give you on the show today for why retirement planning ain't what it used to be as well. Uh, the other big factor that's just very obvious when you look at the stats, Scott, life expectancy uh, has really gone up. Uh, expectancies are much longer these days. So it's just logical. We've got more years of retirement to fund because we're still sort of wrapping up our working lives in our you know mid-60s. Yeah, that, I mean, that's very true. And not only are you going to have to fund your retirement longer, you, you also have other things to deal with, uh, like nursing homes. You know, your fathers, grandfathers, they didn't have to worry about that. Their life expectancies weren't that long. They really, you know, they they just, like I said, you know, they got that pension, Social Security, and just lived on that until they passed away. Now, 
People are living much, much longer. We figured out the body, how to keep the body going longer, but we haven't figured out the brain yet. So a lot of the times now we start to see nursing homes come into play. People are living much, much longer. They aren't able to take care of themselves. Dad forgets to turn the stove off and the kids get worried and have to put him into a facility for his own safety. So these are other things now that we need to plan for because our life expectancies are longer. So not only do we need to fund, you know, maybe to 90 plus years in retirement for both, you know, a living couple, chances are they're both going to get pretty close to 90. I mean, one of them, one of the two will get much closer to 90. And we also need to now plan for that nursing home because we are going to live longer. So that's why everybody that I meet with, I say we need to have a plan for uh, a nursing home facility. It doesn't mean we need to buy insurance or anything, but we need to have a strategy in place in case that happens because odds are one or both of you will eventually need a facility. Good points there. And uh, boy, just so many additional layers of complexity thrown into the planning process when we extend those life expectancies, especially how dramatically they've been uh, expanded over the last couple of Mm -hmm. decades. Something else that's big, uh, we've got interest rates, and I'm going to say lower, Scott, even though I know we're experiencing some increases right now, still, you know, in general, lower interest rates. So we just don't have those CDs, money market accounts, savings accounts paying, you know, big percentage points to us right now that sometimes made retirement planning a little easier in the past to just drop it into a CD and let it hang out there, right? Yeah, you people would drop it in the CD, and then they just live off the interest on the CD. Well, you can't really do that anymore. Even though rates have come up, they're still not high enough. You know, with higher inflation, we need to make sure we're growing our money so that we can, over time, we're not going to be depreciating our purchase power. So we know we need to grow the money. The banks just don't have enough there and certainly not enough for most people to be able to live off throughout their whole retirement. Plus, you come into the fact that if that's what your strategy is, when you first start in retirement, rates may be great, but that doesn't mean rates aren't going to go down in your retirement. And now that strategy doesn't work anymore. And I remember I had a client come in that had a 30-year CD that they had gotten in the early 80s. Actually, her mother put a $2,000 IRA contribution into that. That 30-year CD was locked in at 14%. Wow for 30 years. That $2,000 turned into like 86000 or something. Don't quote me on that, but it turned into a lot of money. And those days, we're probably not going to be getting back there. Uh, I think the Fed will, will you know, do their best to try to keep the inflation under control, and, and those rates probably won't get back up there like we did, like we saw in the late 70s, early 80s. But Yeah, now things are more difficult. You need to worry about getting a consistent income that's not exposed to the market, but yet you still need to have your money in the markets so that you can get the growth to outpace the inflation. So it becomes exponentially much, much, much more difficult. Just like I said in the beginning, every aspect of retirement is now much, much more complicated than your father's or grandfather's. 
If you have questions about something we're talking about today, reach out to Scott. You can schedule a time for a 15-minute consultation by going to talktoscott.com. Schedule that time to chat, see if you'd be a good fit to work with again uh, together, bring up some of the concerns that might be on your mind, and uh, go a little bit further down that planning road with Scott and the team. No risk or obligation to uh, take things further. Just uh, have a great initial talk about what's on your mind with regards to your financial and retirement plan. TalkToScott.com is the website to go to, and we'll link to it in the description of today's show. Uh, Retirement planning ain't what it used to be. We've already talked about pensions, life expectancies being longer, and interest rates, the challenges there. We also have this issue of information at our fingertips, and there's so much of it now, Scott, thanks to smartphones and Google and those kinds of things, that Mm -hmm. it can almost be counterproductive because we can get that old paralysis by analysis effect. You know, there was almost something nice about not having as much access to information in the past. Boy, you you know what? You're not kidding there. And and, there's so much dangerous information and misinformation on the internet, too, that people will rely on to make decisions financially that could ruin them. And I have a funny story about getting information off of of Google. I I went into the doctor, had my annual physical, and uh, he had some different things going on, nothing big. And uh, I go to him, I said, well, Dr. Google said it could be this, and it could be this. And he laughs, and he's like, yeah, Dr. Google's usually wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But it, that that it's very similar in financial planning is that uh, you know financial advisor Google is usually going to be wrong, or there's there's things that you'll find on the internet that may apply to one type of situation, but your situation may have just a little nuance in there that would not would make make it not work properly for you. So it, it's important that because of all this information out there that you have a strategy that's going to you know work with a professional that's going to that's a fiduciary and is going to create that plan that you know is based on the real facts and you know people get themselves in google with so many different things not only financial planning but medical uh you know whatever the case may be just uh you know there's too much misinformation out there that's great points uh, because I think we all can identify with that. Uh, on a lighter note, sometimes I'm, I, I can think of a very specific time sitting around with the family and somebody will say something like, yeah, you know, you might be, might be watching a show. Yeah, what, what other movie has that guy been in? You know, and in the past, you'd sit there and you'd go, ah, oh, what was it? Um, I don't know. And then you'd move on with life, right? Right. <laughs> I kind of miss those days because now you kind of do the same thing. I don't know. And then everybody stares at each other awkwardly like, all right, somebody look it up. And so, you you know, it's. I guess it's nice to connect that piece of information. But sometimes it was nice to just wonder and not actually connect the dots or really force your brain to think about it and uh, and exercise those muscles a little bit. And then maybe a half hour later, somebody would go, you know, Happy Gilmore. That's what he was in. Oh, okay. Exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> a great movie, by the way. But or you you also use your Amazon Echo, right? You just uh, just ask them. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. now you yeah. just yell at a device to answer it for you. Yes, I have one here in my in my podcast recording studio. Do you speak so to it politely, to... or do you do you yell at it? I think I'm polite to okay. it. I mean, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not a rude guy. Um, I've but, seen some people treat them very very harshly. You know, they... well, it was funny. I, I totally off topic, but. My wife does not like to talk to her. 
and she's she's warmed up to her. Okay. And I want to say her name because I have one here in the office, and she'll start freaking out as soon as I say her name. Gotcha. But I programmed it though that whenever when I say her name, don't listen to Krista. She will respond, and she will say, "That's okay. I don't like her anyway." Oh, that's great. <laughs> So you can have fun with that thing, too. That is, that is pretty cool, yeah. If you can program it in such ways like that, that does add a little bit of uh, excitement to those, Absolutely. To those devices. Uh, have you seen the Saturday Night Live skit where they, they did the um, the silver silver echo or silver silver device or whatever it was? No, I did not. Okay, I'm going to send it to you. It's, it's for it's retirees trying to use, um, like a, it's like they're marketing a specific Amazon product for retirees. Okay. And so none of them can say the device's name correctly. So they're all calling it different names and asking it questions. And, and the device is like, uh, I, I don't want to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's, it's, uh, it's one of the things that, uh, that SNL has actually done well over the last, uh, last couple of years. This one, I think, was one of the best skits they've done in a while. So. All right, send that to me. I'd certainly I'll, enjoy I'll that. I'll send it to you. We, we, we can link to it. We'll link to it in the uh, show description, too, in case anybody else wants to go check it out. It's only, it's only like two or three minutes long. It's a good Perfect. Little, a good little bit. All right, so go check that out. Last but not least, let's talk about volatility. Now, this might just be recency bias, perhaps, Scott, but maybe there's data to back this up. I'm interested in your take. It just seems like there's a lot more volatility in the stock market. It's like more and more pronounced with each passing year, or is that just perception because we're close to it? No, no, there's actual data to back up that these markets have become increasingly volatile in the past 10 or so years. And a lot of people, there's a lot of different reasons for it. Number one, uh, you know, computer trading. So now a lot of, there's algorithms that are running on the markets and computer trading will kick in and start moving the market here, there, and everywhere. Uh, as well as, you know, these Robinhood investors, people on their phones can just buy and sell all the time, anytime they want. That creates volatility in the markets. Uh, so there's a lot of different different reasons for it, but it's definitely there. And when it comes to doing that planning and creating that strategy that's going to be successful for you, you need to anticipate that that volatility is going to be there. And unfortunately, we need to we need to invest in stocks to grow our money, which means we're going to have to deal with some type of volatility. Now, you can adjust the level of volatility, and what I always do is I try to get people's money that that they're going to use five years from now. That's money we have in the market. So the volatility day-to-day -day is not going to affect us because we don't want to start if somebody needs $3,000 a month out of their portfolio we don't want to be taking money out of that portfolio every month with all this volatility because it, we don't want to be taking money out in down markets. We only want to be taking money out in up markets. So that's the reason the way that I structure our retirement income strategies is we, don't, we only have money in the market we're going to use five years from now. And that creates some other skills and things we need to get in place for, for money between years one to five. But it's definitely more volatile. And the interesting thing is I have a sheet in my, in my office, and I talk about this in my class, that I can show you a portfolio that has got a higher return than another portfolio, but earned less money. 
And the reason why is because of volatility. And if, you, if you're interested in seeing that or talking about that, you know, reach out to me and I can share it with you. But it's very interesting because everybody always thinks, hey, if I get a higher return, I'm going to make more money. Definitely not because volatility is a big part of it, sequence of returns, as well as when you start pulling money out of the markets and you start pulling money out of that portfolio, if it's highly volatile, it, it'll erode that return even more. So it's very interesting, and volatility is something that's always going to be there. It certainly has gotten worse, but you need to have a strategy to control it and make sure it doesn't affect your retirement income. Again, if you want to talk some more to Scott about these different elements, how retirement planning has changed and how you kind of have to react to that to be successful in today's market, give him a call at 888-742-0111 or online. You can schedule a free consultation at talktoscott.com. Have a 15-minute chat about your plan, your financial goals, and where to go from here. Talktoscott.com. And check the description for a link to that site uh, to make it easy on you. All right, coming up on the rest of the show, we've got a question from Wendy that we're going to dive into about inheriting that farm. But before that, let's talk about some books in our Getting to Know You segment. It's Getting to Know You time. All right, so my question for you on today's episode, Scott, how many books do you read in an average year, would you say? So, Walter, I must make a confession. I enjoy reading, but I'm a horrible book reader. Every time, I usually the only time I really have a chance to read books are at night, and I'll sit down and I'll start reading and I'll fall asleep. I mean, it, like it, it's guaranteed. I mean, like I'll do one or two pages and I'm out. So what I've started to do is I've started to listen to my books, uh, and I listen to about two books, maybe three a month, probably more likely two on an average month. Uh, so I, I try to listen to books. They're mostly kind of work related. Um, even though I do like, you know, reading, uh, fiction books, uh, especially kind of like the Tom Clancy kind of ones, the, the wars, the Navy SEAL kind of stuff. I enjoy that, but most of them are work related and I can't actually read them. Uh, I listen to them. <laughs> I like that a lot. It's still getting a book in, though. I still count that as reading a book. So yeah, I think I think you're safe there. I'm the same way. I I do a really weird thing, Scott. I'll have an audio book going, and then I'll also have something on Kindle uh, so that mm-hmm. I can read. I don't usually actually use my Kindle, um, but I'll read it on my phone on the Kindle app. And then I also will have a physical book, but they won't be the same book. I'll, it'll be three different books that I'm working through at the same time. But the idea is sort of like no matter what mood I'm in, I'm in a – there are certain ones I kind of get a sense for. I'd like to read this in a hard copy. And then others where I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm just going to be dipping into it for a minute or two at a time. I'll put that on the Kindle version, have that on my phone. And then there are other ones where you're like, that's going to make a really good Audible book where I can – and I've got a big chunk of time coming up where I can do some house projects or work outside or a big drive. And so I'll kind of divvy up my, my consuming of literature that way. Well, you know, the interesting thing, too, is that, you know, a lot of times, too, you want to have that hard copy of the book. And I'd like to have hard copies of books. I've got books in my office, but a lot of them I've listened to and not actually read. But, you know, you use them for reference, too, especially kind of the work-related ones. I'll, I'll go in there and, and, uh, and pull up stuff. Even though I've listened to the book, I have the hard copy book to go back to. 
Yep, it's a great great way to do it for sure. So, uh, I think you're you're right on track. So you're getting a good numbers of books in there with the Audible side of things, and and that's great. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good yep. thing. Uh, well, let's get to that listener question. Uh, we've got a really good one as we open up the mailbag today from Wendy. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. So Wendy says, I just inherited a 70-acre farm along with my six siblings. Now, four of them want to sell and three of us want to just keep it. Is it worth trying to buy out those other four or should we just argue until everybody is on the same page? (laughs) Well, Wendy, it's an interesting question. I imagine the three... Um, the four of you that want to sell it, they probably don't want to work on a farm. But, you know, there's some interesting discussions here. And, uh, you know, first of all, if the three of you do buy it, which you certainly can, and I've, I've had other clients in similar situations where they've had spouses and then maybe one of them will buy the house. And then you just need to make sure if the rest of the estate, if there's more money there that, you know, everything kind of evens out, you, you divvy up other stuff differently. Uh, and a financial advisor can help you value those things too, because if it's IRA money, you have to compare after tax and and all sorts of different stuff to make sure it's fair. But you know the other thing to think about too is, is that if three of you own the farm, are you going to work the farm? Who's going to run the farm? Who's going to live there? Uh, are they going to pay rent to the other two? Uh, so there's a lot of things to talk out basically between the three of you that want to buy it. But yeah, certainly that happens all the time. I did find it interesting though, is that uh, uh, it's a 70 acre farm. So it certainly seems like it would be a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I'm that, not much a farmer, but that seems, seems like big. a big farm. Right? Yeah, it seems big. Yeah. Take, uh, I'm taking the uh, acre and a half I'm on and multiplying that by, well, not quite 70, but uh, still that's, that starts to feel very big. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what, Wendy, if if you want to walk through your specific situation, just you know, go to www.talktoscott.com and uh, you schedule a 15-minute phone call, and I'll be more than happy to kind of you know run through your situation. Again, that's talktoscott.com, and we'll link to it in the description of today's show. And you can also give them a call at 888-742-0111. Good luck on the farm there, Wendy, and thank you for the question. Uh, Another great show in the books. Scott, thank you for all the help and the guidance, and we'll have another great conversation on tap next time around. Perfect, Walter. I enjoy it every time. All right. That's the Retirement Toolbox with Scott Searles. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.